Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. Connect further with us by downloading the Dream City Omaha app or finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe for more. If you have not downloaded the Dream City Omaha app, go ahead and do that. There's an events tab at the bottom. Everything you need to know, what time or Easter services, I didn't hear it, just show up. You're bound to, to catch one of them. Invite a friend, you'll get some invites on your way out. Hey, this morning, I have probably one of the greatest privileges that I've ever had from this stage to introduce a friend. You know, there are very few people in this city outside of those blood related to us who we can look back, Jana and I, and know that they were directly connected to us being here and responding to the call in our lives. And the man that you're going to hear from today is one of those people. He and his wife, Michelle, Pastor Andy, and Michelle Kalp, they pastor at Bellevue Christian Center. If this is not your flavor, you should check them out. <laughs> um, but just, again, some of the greatest caliber people you will ever meet in your life of utmost integrity. We would not be where we are today without your constant encouragement. This man has been in the trenches with your pastor when he is just broken and discouraged. And so I want you to honor him for nothing else than just that. Would you help me welcome today my friend, Pastor Andy Kaup? Well, thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be here with you this morning. Uh, it is truly a joy and an honor to be with Dream City. Um, as Pastor Angel just said, we go back a little ways with these two, with your pastors. And, and I know that she just said that, that that we had a part to play in their lives. And I'm telling you, I, I promise you, this is not just uh, what you're supposed to say when you come visit a church. And you, um, but I mean this wholeheartedly that, that John and Angel have walked with the Kaup family through some of our most difficult times, some of our most confusing times, some of the times in which we've found ourselves asking God, where are you? What are you doing? We don't understand. And they've been there time and time again with us to do exactly what Pastor Angel just said Dream City is all about, to help us discover who God has called us to be, to, to step into our purpose. So uh, this is an amazing, amazing honor to be here with you guys. You have some incredible incredible pastors. They are amazing people. Amazing. Well, as Pastor Angel said, my name is Andy Kaup. I am, uh, have the privilege, the joy of being the lead pastor at Bellevue Christian Center. Um, I came into that role transition there just a little over two years ago. So if you're tracking your timeline, uh, yes, that was 2020, and um, I came in in January, and then COVID hit in March, and it was the craziest, uh, I don't even, we won't even go into that because it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. But my wife and I and our three kids, we have a picture here, but my wife's name is, is Michelle, and we have three kids, Micah, Ariana, and Isabella. Uh, my wife is Puerto Rican and Mexican, 
And I am some combination of German, Irish, and Scottish, so our kids are just angry all the time. <laughs> There's just this fire inside of them. No, we, we do live in a passionate household. We have lots of big feelings, but, but uh, we, we have a lot of fun as well. Um, we've known John and Angel for quite a while. It's been, it's been great to just see uh, what they're doing here at Dream City, what you guys are up to. But before any of this, I had the privilege of roofing houses with Pastor John. And we've got a picture here as well. This, look at that young group right there. And look at that t-shirt. Go ahead, Pastor John. I love that. I love that. So we, we go back, as we said, and, and uh, listen, I love what Dream City is doing this year. You guys have been on this journey already where you've been reading through the Bible chronologically. You've, you've as a church, decided we're going to commit to diving into this book. Now, something that we say at Bellevue Christian Center all the time, we say that the Bible changes how we live. See, we believe that this is not just an informational book. It's not just a book of stories, but this is a transformational book. And so I'm convinced, I'm, I, I, am, I am dead set on this fact that Dream City, if you are willing, if you really are going to dive into this thing this year, your life will transform that you will experience God in a brand new way. And I, I honestly, I'm a little bit jealous of what you guys are doing. I told Pastor John, you know what? Uh, on Sundays, we're just going to start live streaming your services. <laughs> because this is amazing. So I'm excited to just continue on in this reading plan and just spend some time together this morning. This reading from this last week, you know, I, I, I listened in as Pastor John preached last week about possessing the promise, right? And he gave us a little picture of the first half of Joshua. And like I said, I, I, I'm a little bit jealous because he got all the good stories. <laughs> you guys last week got to read about Jericho and the walls coming down and, and the miraculous sun standing still and, and you got all of these things and then he said, here's your section. You get Joshua 16 through Judges 12. I said, John, you gave me perhaps the most boring part of Joshua where they're just splitting up land and then you gave me Judges which is possibly one of the most depressing parts. So what am I supposed to do with that? But the more I began to dive into this, the more I began to see not only how God plays out in their story, but how God plays out in my story. And my prayer throughout this whole week for each one of you has been that as we dive into this together, that you would begin to see yourself in this story and you would begin to make a connection of the way that God wants to move in your life today. So we're going to spend some time in Judges chapter 2 together. Judges chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. 
I want to invite you to either pull out your Bible and actually turn there or pull up your device and pull it up and, and read this along with me. But as you turn there, I want to give us just a little bit of context because we had a big chunk this week. You guys have been diving in. So I know you've read this, but uh, just kind of as a little bit of a refresher. You see, starting in Joshua, kind of as we see the promised land actually being taken, they've, they've successfully gone in and conquered these physical land spaces. See, God had a place that he prepared for his people. And they've gone in and they've taken the land and now they've begun to distribute the land. Okay, now it's your role. And they, they start distributing land tribe by tribe and saying it's your role not only to take the land but to go possess the land. That means the land is yours. Go live in it and make sure that everything that's done in this land continues to honor God because he's the one that gave it to you in the first place. So the land's been taken. It's being divided up. Now they're called to possess the land and live in it God's way. And in Joshua 24, we see this incredible moment, you know, this probably one of those most quotable verses, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I don't know how many of us as parents have, have told our kids that, like they're acting crazy. Listen, you can go live in somebody else's house, but in this house, this is how we're going to live. But Joshua does this and all of the people say, yes, we'll serve God, we'll obey God. And he looks at them and he says, you don't even know how. You can't and you won't. You can't obey. And it's one of those moments where if I was in that crowd, if I was like, Yes, I can. I just told you, like, I, I, I'm passionate about this. We want to live for God. And, and now you're telling me that I can't. I, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? Yes, I can. I, I'm ready to do this. I trust God. But we see very quickly that Joshua was exactly right. People didn't know how to obey that despite their best efforts, even in the midst of their passionate commitment, they still found themselves drowning in disobedience. And so we pick up in Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 1, and it says, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, listen to this, I will never break my covenant with you. He gives instruction, and you shall, I'm sorry, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you've done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words, all the people of Israel, the people lifted their voices and wept. And they called the name of that place Bacham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. 
I'm going to invite you to pray with me this morning as we ask God to speak through his word. Father, right now, we just take a moment and we surrender to you. God, I ask that it would be your voice that speaks. I, I pray, God, that for every heart and soul that's in this room, that's watching online, God, for every person that can hear these words, I pray, God, that they would sense your hand in their life today. I pray that they would feel the drawing of your love. I pray that they would know the incredible faithfulness that you display over and over and over again. God, today I pray that it would not be my words, but your words. God, I pray that I would be reminded that I have nothing to prove and only you to please. God, I pray that every word, every thought, every story would be pleasing to you. May our hearts be good soil today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A few years ago, we had the opportunity, my wife and I and our kids, to move into what I would describe as our dream home. There's this kind of neighborhood in Bellevue. Is, it's off this boulevard, and, and it's got this little brick road. And, and growing up in Bellevue, it was a place that I just always wanted to live. I, I dreamed of someday having a house in this neighborhood. And, and just through some kind of crazy events that God put together, we we had an opportunity to move into this neighborhood. We found this house that, that we just thought, this is it. This is going to be the house that we're going to buy, and, and we're going to live here for the rest of our lives. And, and, and the house was built in 1905. So it's this beautiful old house, but with old house comes old house problems. But, you know, you don't mind because it's got the wood floors that you want. And it's got this huge yard so we can send our kids outside and not hear them for a while. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually really love my kids. It uh, doesn't sound that way, but I do. <laughs> but it does. It's got this huge yard. It, one of the major reasons that, that, or, or things that drew us to this house was the size of this yard. The property sits on, on just about an acre, and, and inside of Bellevue, that's, that's kind of hard to find. So we, we felt really blessed to get this thing, and, and there's this basketball court, kind of a half-court uh, basketball hoop off in the corner. But the, the, the thing that got my wife, the kicker, was right in the middle of this yard, there's this big fenced-in garden. She's always wanted this garden. You know, every house that we've had, she's always had this dream of having her own garden. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. We can save on groceries because you all know that groceries are insane right now. And, and I'm like, what, fruits, vegetables, whatever, well, let's do it. Um, but we moved in in the winter when the ground was covered with snow. Why am I telling you that? Because we never had the opportunity to actually see the condition of the garden when we were moving into the house. So the snow began to melt and we saw that this garden, this beautiful fenced in garden was completely overrun with wild garlic. 
Some of you know you have experience with wild garlic. I had no idea. I didn't know what it was. I had no clue. What we found out is that wild garlic is an invasive weed. Like it, it, it spreads like crazy. And if you don't go in and pull every last root of wild garlic, then you can plan on next year having more wild garlic and more and more and more. And so it became this all out war inside of our house, us versus wild garlic. I tend to take things over the top a little bit, and, and I kind of saw it as this is our family's mission right now, is <laughs> to eliminate wild garlic from our yard. I mean, we even enlisted our children and said, listen, I don't care what you're doing. If you spot some wild garlic, you stop immediately, and you remove the threat. Mommy needs a garden, and it's on us to make this happen. <laughs> there was one day we would fill up these trash cans. You know, we would dig it all up, and we'd fill these trash cans, and then it was my job to then haul these trash cans out to the curb. And it, it's one of those real big, I don't know, these things. I'm not a tall guy. I don't know if you, that's a surprise to any of you, but... It's about this big, and it was just completely filled with garlic and dirt. Like that was it, to the point where it was it was probably close to six, seven hundred pounds inside of this thing. And I'm trying to haul this through our yard, and I trip, and the trash can falls on top of me, and I'm sitting down with this trash can on me, and I can't get it off. And I'm thinking to myself, God, this is it. This is the place where I'm going to die. In my backyard, covered with wild garlic. There's no one to hear me scream. I can't get my phone out of my pocket. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no clue. My wife's inside getting the kids to bed, so that's going to take a couple hours. I don't know. I don't know what's going to... I'm going to starve to death out here or something. Clearly, I found my way out. I made it. But I was thinking about this garden and this wild garlic and, and our reading and how God's people were called to go in and to completely drive out every last root of the enemy. And God warned them, if you don't, if you don't completely drive them out, then eventually... Whatever you leave is going to take root. It's going to settle in and it's going to cause problems for you. It's going to be an issue. And we see that playing out in the book of Judges. We see how they didn't fully obey. And we just read that this would become a snare, a stumbling block, something that would eventually enslave the people. This was their calling. Go take and possess the land, remove the enemy, and keep them from coming back. I want to highlight three things this morning that we can pull out of Judges chapter 2 that I think if we're listening, if we're, if we're asking God to reveal himself through his word, I think we may begin to see our lives in this story as well. The first one is this. 
first truth we see is that compromise has a cumulative effect. Compromise has a cumulative effect. You know, when you look around our world today, we constantly see stories of pastors and leaders and athletes who are in the spotlight because of their public failings, because of some scandal. It just seems like it's constantly one thing after another, time and time again. We're seeing these people that are having their private lives thrown out in front of the world to see. And it leaves us asking the question, how did they get to that point? And I can tell you this, that there's not one person, there's not one of us in here, there's not one person who we see in the news and the media who ended up in that place overnight. That we don't just, we don't just suddenly wake up and find ourselves on the edge of the cliff stepping over. That if we track back and we begin to watch and say, how did we find ourselves there? We see a pattern of compromise. And compromise is cumulative. It builds and it builds and it builds. The more I inch closer to the line, the easier that next step is. And the easier that next step is. And the easier until finally I don't even realize that I'm there. I step over the edge. Kind of reminds me of the children's book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. You know that book where, where they say, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. And if you give him a glass of milk, he's going to want a napkin to make sure he doesn't have any in his mustache. And if you give him a napkin, he's going to want to look in the mirror, and it just goes and goes and goes until finally there's this never-ending cycle of more and more and more, and this is exactly what we see playing out with God's people as they're called to possess the land. Somewhere along the way, they, they started strong, but they began to stray from the mission. They stopped driving people out and started making deals. They've been given some very specific instructions back in Deuteronomy to completely drive out the enemy and devote everyone and everything to destruction. But instead, they compromised. If you take a look at Judges chapter 1, we're going to look at a series of verses, and we're going to go through these pretty quick, but we've got these highlighted and underlined so you can see the pattern happening. So you've got the tribe, you've got Manasseh. They did not drive out the inhabitants. The Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. They put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites, and it just keeps going. They did not drive out. So the Canaanites lived among them. They became subject to forced labor. Did not drive out. Lived among them. Did not drive out did not drive out. They lived among them, became subject to forced labor. It just goes on and on and on. The pattern, the pattern, the pattern of compromise. Somewhere along the way, they decided to live with the enemy. And I think it's because they thought they could keep control of the enemy. You ever feel like that in your life that 
that maybe you, you know that there are some things that you ought to eliminate. But I know for me, I, I see things in my life that I go, I, I probably should not have this in my life, but I think I can manage it. I think that I can handle this. I, I think that if I just kind of set up the right systems and processes and, and the right disciplines, and if I just try hard enough, I can keep control. You see, that's not the way it works. That's not what God said would happen. God said, if you compromise, if you let them live with you, you're eventually going to become like them. Compromise is cumulative. I'm sure for many of us, we, begin, we can begin to think of some things that we know aren't healthy for us, but we think we can manage. Years ago, I worked at Krispy Kreme, um, possibly the greatest job I've ever had. <laughs> I love sweets, particularly glazed donuts. And while you're working at Krispy Kreme, or at least this is how it was when I worked there, is you're allowed to, every now and then, take a donut off of the line as it's hot and fresh and it's just got, you know, where it literally melts in your mouth. You put it in, it's like, <gasps> Here's the problem. Because of my love for sweets, I knew that I probably shouldn't even grab one donut because one donut leads to two. And two leads to three. And now I'm about to really embarrass myself and tell you something disgusting. Some of you guys are going to look at me like, what is wrong with him? It was not uncommon in one shift at work for me to eat over two dozen donuts. Oh my God. If you give a mouse a cookie, <laughs> he's going to want more. I didn't understand that I should have just eliminated the problem. Instead, I thought I could manage the problem. I thought I could handle it. What I've come to realize is that I often do the same thing with sin in my life, with temptation. I think to myself, God, I, I hear what you're saying. I know that I can't handle social media in this way because I know what it does to my heart. I know what it tempts me to think and do. And so I know that I should just eliminate it. Yeah, but God, everybody else, how do I stay connected? God, I can manage it. I can, you know what, God, I, I'll just, I'll find some accountability and I'll every now and then I'll tell them I'm just struggling with it. God says, no, no, drive it out. Remove it. Eliminate it. This thing will kill you. Devote it to destruction. You don't need it. How many things have I done that with in my life where I've just kind of made deals instead of driving out? I said, I, I, can, I can figure this out. I, I can... I can manage. For me, part of my story is 
before really coming to know Jesus, I had, I had massive alcohol issues. At 16, I was evaluated and deemed chemically dependent. And as I started to get free from these things, as I started to kind of walk in, in, in freedom from Christ and, and I started to see my life transform, for some reason, I still thought I could manage this alcohol thing in my life. Like I still thought, you know what, I, 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 can, I can manage how many drinks I had. Well, then I found out that doesn't work. But then I thought I could manage just being around it while other people did. You know, like I, I could still go to a bar. I could still hang out at a party because for me, uh, as long as I'm not drinking, I can manage that. And I found out pretty quickly that I can't handle that. So Andy needs to eliminate it. Now, what you need to eliminate might be completely different from what I need to eliminate. Can I just say this? Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because I start telling you what God's told me to eliminate. And I think you need to do the same thing. Imagine if we were just faithful to us. <laughs> Imagine how much freedom would happen in that if I would just focus on God, what have you told me? Eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. We see the, the same thing being taught by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. He gives us this picture of, of not temptation management, but temptation removal. Get it out of there. At this point in my life, I'm much more interested. I, I, I'm much more committed to eliminating temptation than managing it. Because I can tell you this, I am not strong enough to manage sin in my life. I'm not built for that. None of us are. So here's my encouragement to us this morning. Stop making deals with the things you're called to drive out. Stop making deals with the things you're called to drive out. Compromise has a cumulative effect. It's like a river that cuts through rock. You may not see the effect right now, but it will erode your character and weaken your walk. Eventually we see with the people of God that compromise consumed them until it eventually led to complete disobedience. That brings us to number two. The second truth that we see is that disobedience leads to destruction. Yeah. Disobedience leads to destruction. You know, in our world, in our culture, we don't really like the word obey. Right. We don't like to talk about obedience and disobedience because it feels like it's starting to confine us. You're boxing me in, you're telling me what I can and can't do. And, and we, we struggle with this idea that, that a loving God would also be a God that says, obey me. 
without question. That's the nature of God. That's who he is. There, there's, make no mistake that if you're, if you're being called to come and follow God, he's also calling you to obey him. But we see this pattern, not only in God's people through Joshua and Judges, but we see it throughout the entirety of Scripture. This pattern of disobedience, this pattern of, of choosing our way over God's way. You look all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and you look at the fall and this, this sin entering the world, and it's, it's really the simple thing, right, is live in the garden. See if this sounds familiar. I have a land that I've prepared for you. I want you to come and subdue the land, possess the land, and rule over it. Just obey me and everything will be fine. But what do they do? They find the one thing, the one thing. This is my life over and over again. God says, I have all of these amazing things for you. Just obey me. Just follow my lead. And I say, good. Yes, God, I love you. And then I go and find the one thing. <laughs> and I disobey. And time and time again, it leads to destruction. Our entire history is one long story of humans thinking they know better than God. We'll just leave it there. Our history is one long story of humans thinking they know better than God and choosing our way over his. But eventually their compromise caught up with them. They were no longer just living with the enemy. Now they were starting to live like the enemy. They began following their ways and worshiping their gods. They began to adopt their practices of sexual immorality and sacrifice. They forgot God altogether and turned their backs on the one who had brought them into the land at the first place. If we look at Judges chapter 2, we go to verse 10 through 15. Verse 10 says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, talking about Joshua and all those who had eventually brought them into that land. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Pause real quick. Did you know that all it takes, all it takes for our world to lose the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ is one generation who fails to teach it? Wow. Do you realize that we are always, always one genera generation away from being completely lost. Imagine now the purpose and responsibility that you and I have. Parents, your family is one generation away if you fail to teach them. Not fail to control them and fail to, to, to set up every outcome if you fail to teach them. Always one generation away. This strikes me every time I read it. I know that's a quick side note, but it's powerful to understand that what we do, the example we set, 
And the things we teach the generation behind us matter. They matter. It continues on. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands in the hand of their surrounding enemies so they can no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. Terrible distress. One of the things that I learned from watching and reading this story is this, is that partial obedience is still disobedience. You see, they went into the land like they were supposed to, but they didn't follow through with all the instruction God had given them. We saw that pattern of not driving them out completely. Partial obedience is still disobedience. And disobedience has consequences. This is something I'm, I'm constantly trying to teach my kids. Listen, this is a daily conversation. Listen, kids, uh, you can choose to disobey, but there are consequences to that. Now, in the grand scheme of things, if my son does not listen and hang his backpack up on the hook that he's supposed to hang it up on, it's not a big deal, right? Like the backpack isn't going to cause an issue. But when we get in our hearts and minds that it's okay to disobey, then we build this pattern of thinking, I am in control, I am in the lead, and anytime I'm in the lead, I mess things up. Anytime I think I've got it figured out, I'm headed for a fall. Anytime I'm thinking that I'm standing strong, I should be careful because in actuality, I'm weak. Israel seemed doomed for destruction, spiraling in their disobedience. I love the way that Jesus kind of gives us a picture of how this works in the New Testament. He tells a story in Luke chapter 6 about houses being built. He talks about how everyone comes, anyone who comes and hears his words and does them. Do you hear that? Anyone who comes and hears the word and obeys them. Their life will be like a a house that has a strong foundation that when, when crazy things, the chaos, remember in worship, we talked about the chaos. When chaos comes and life just seems like more than you can handle, it's sometimes it, it, it's resting in that obedience that keeps us strong. Yeah. He says, it's those who listen and obey. Their house will stand, but the disobedient, those who hear and don't do, their house will be crashed against the rocks and the waves. 
Israel found themselves living in a new land, dealing with the same old problems. They weren't in Egypt anymore, but they were still becoming slaves all over again. This time, slaves to sin, compromise, disobedience. So the question I had as I began to read this was, God, what hope do they have? It seems like this is just the pattern. This is where they're going to end up. It's just in this broken place. But then as I continued to read in Judges chapter 2, I came to this, and this is our third truth and where we're going to end this morning, is that despite our disobedience, God sends a deliverer. Despite our disobedience, God sends a deliverer. Let's look at Judges chapter 2 one last time. Let's look at verses 16 through 18. It says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandment of the Lord, and they did not do so. Verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those afflicted and oppressed, because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. When you look at this portion of scripture, you see that the time of the judges was one of the darkest seasons in Israel's history. Growing up, I always thought that Judges was a book of heroes. I would get excited to read about Samson and Deborah and Brock and Gideon, one of my favorites. Gideon, a guy who is too small, too weak, too unimportant to do anything. And yet God looked at him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But now when I look at the book of Judges, I, I recognize that it's a book filled with this cycle of disobedience and deliverance. Disobedience and deliverance. You see, the people of God had done nothing to deserve deliverance. And yet God in his grace gave it anyway. Every time they cried out, God was filled with compassion and he sent a deliverer. The problem was that these people were stubborn and forgetful so they would turn. And since the enemy was not fully defeated and had not been completely driven out, they came back over and over again. The people needed a judge who could finish the work and totally accomplish the rescue. This whole section is a foreshadowing of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's right here where I see my story and their story begin to intersect. You see, this is the pattern and maybe you can relate. You God says, you are my chosen people. 
the ones that I love. You are my son and my daughter. And I have a place in mind for you, a place that I've prepared, that I'm calling you to step into, to take and to possess. But we choose sin and compromise and disobedience. We often find ourselves at the end of our rope, lost and confused, broken and in pain, and we cry out. And even though we don't deserve it, God sends a better judge. He sends a deliverer who can come and can provide a complete deliverance. That he takes all of the sin, all of the compromise, all of the disobedience, and he says, I can handle that. He takes it upon himself, and he offers you and he offers me forgiveness, mercy, love, and another chance. Jesus is a better judge. Jesus went to the cross. He suffered. He was beaten and bruised. He was mocked. And he said these incredible words in John 19, verse 30. He got up there and he said, it is finished. The deliverance was now complete. You see, this invasive enemy who, like our wild garlic garden, wants to take over every last inch of your life, had finally been rooted out and overcome for good. See, because of the work of Jesus, you and I can now step into a promised place of freedom. So I have a few questions for us this morning. As we prepare to respond, in just a moment, I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come and they're gonna be available and ready to pray with you. But I wanna ask these questions. Number one is this, have you chosen disobedience? Are there things in your life, things that only you know about, things I wouldn't have a clue about that you know God has called you to? God has said, remove this. God has said, take this step. God has said, back up in this direction. God has told you something. And rather than obey, you've chosen your own way. See, disobedience leads to destruction. But this morning, God offers deliverance. He offers you an opportunity to do something called repenting. To just make a decision to turn from disobedience to a place of obedience.
and walk in a new direction? Have you chosen disobedience this morning? My second question is this. What deal do you need to break this morning? There's an area in your life that you've chosen compromise and you've made, deal, made deals with things you've been called to drive out. Maybe it's an area of addiction. Maybe it's something as simple as the entertainment that you allow in. You got to understand that it's bigger than just the entertainment and what you can and can't watch. God's interested in your heart and your soul. He doesn't want you to leave any last root of the enemy there. Don't give the enemy a foothold because footholds become strongholds. I don't know if this is what Dream City normally does. But I want to invite you all across this place, if you're willing and able, just to stand with me as we prepare to respond. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And for just, just a moment, I just want to ask that everybody all across this place close your eyes with me and bow your heads. I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're in here this morning and you would say, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know Jesus. I, I don't even have relationship with Jesus. So I, I don't know what, uh, I don't know where to start. See, the starting place is simple. It's just coming to Jesus and saying, I need you. I don't want to do this my way anymore. It's as simple as asking for forgiveness. So if you're in this place and you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus today, and wherever you're at, I just want to invite you to slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. I see that hand and that one as well. I see those hands. I see that one back there as well. Anybody else you'd like to begin a relationship with Jesus today? Okay. You can put your hands down. Thank you. For those of you that raised your hands, and even if you didn't, if you could just repeat this along with me. We're just going to pray a simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I need you. I confess that I sin and I can't handle it. Jesus, would you lead me? Would you love me? I put my, my life in your hands. Amen. Amen. Lastly, I asked those questions just a moment ago. And the Holy Spirit may have been putting his finger on some things in your life. 
And you know, today's an opportunity to let go of some stuff, to leave it right here at the altar, not to pick it back up. That you can leave this place with less to carry than you came in with. So I just wanna say a prayer over us. And as soon as I say amen, I wanna invite you to come if that's you. This morning, you wanna make a choice to turn towards obedience. Or this morning, you wanna pray with somebody because you know there's a deal, a compromise, something you need to break. Even as I begin to pray, if that's you, you can come. Prayer team's ready for you. Father, we thank you for your word, for your truth, but God, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, for the deliverance you offer. God, I ask that right now there would be freedom in this place, that there would be God, just compromise that's lasted for years and years. I pray that it would be broken right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, that those things would begin to break and they would fall off and there would be freedom and peace and wholeness to be found in your presence today. God, we love you and we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that's you, you can come. Listen, before you start moving and packing, don't leave this place with these burdens. We were not meant to manage sin. We were meant to drive it out completely, and you cannot do that alone. So our prayer team is here. They're here to minister to you. I want to keep this just an attitude of reverence this morning. And church, I want to remind you, this is why we never fall in love with the messenger, because you would have missed this message. It's never about the man on this place. It's about the heart that they represent, which is the gospel, the deliverance of our Savior. So this morning, as you're being dismissed, if you need to come, come, church. But again, just keep this place in a heart of worship and reverence this morning. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.